Swiper Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. Episode 51, I believe. Been off a couple weeks. A um, few reasons for that. First, I had a mini, like, COVID scare. Turned out to be a mild case of food poisoning, which was uh, good, I suppose. Then the holidays last week uh, just kind of threw a monkey wrench into the whole thing. And uh, the other part is because college football has been such the disaster that it has in terms of cancellations and reschedule this or um, certain guys sitting out or whatever the case may be, DK has been getting pretty late at releasing these contests. So I don't have the allotted time to put together any quality content um, outside of maybe just tweeting some some here, here, here's my targets here. Blah, blah, blah. But um, and anyway, I'd rather not put anything out than um, I'd rather have it do nothing if it can't be quality. I can't have time to kind of dig in enough to offer some um, quality content and insight. So that being said, um, they did release this one, I think, late Wednesday night. And I had time to put something together. So as usual, we'll dive in to go game by game on this Saturday afternoon's CFB DFS Week 14 slate. Starts now. <laughs> Okay, welcome in one and all. We are back after two weeks, and we have a big board to get through. I think I'm going to get through it fairly quickly for um, a few reasons. One of them being that I've talked about this before, but I think we're at the point on some of these teams where there isn't much to really say. We know the pecking orders. We know who gets the volume, who has the most likely to have being on goal line work, whatever the case may be. So there isn't much to talk about other than just try to catch these guys on the right week um depending on matchups Vegas projections all that stuff so some games I'm just not going to have a lot to talk about on um and then things are being canceled as well I think uh Georgia Georgia Vandy I believe just got canceled earlier today so I think we're down to 13 games now so um as an example what I just described the first game we'll talk about is TCU and Oklahoma State it, on the TCU side, very straightforward. Max Duggan and Tay Barber are the only reliable options week to week. Max Duggan, of course, at quarterback. Tay Barber, wide receiver. The reason is that um, there, there's no real running back clarification yet to this offense, and that's because Max Duggan does a lot of RPOs. Um, he calls his number a lot, and that's a very run, or, or, sorry, RPO-heavy offense. So there's just not a lot to talk about there. As far as the matchup goes, it's not the greatest in the world, and I think I'm just going to kind of avoid uh, TCU this week in general. On the Oklahoma State side, very simple. It's Spencer Sanders at quarterback. Chuba, if he plays, he's, uh, I believe, questionable at the moment at running back, and Tylen Wallace at receiver. After that, um, everyone is just very touchdown dependent week to week, similar, as I said, to TCU. Um, you can... It's not that you can't find value. It's not that it can't happen. It's just guessing. That's all it is. It's just all random as far as who is going to end up getting these random touchdowns other than Tay Barber, other than Duggan on a run. Um, and the same with Oklahoma State. Those three are the guys who are going to get a majority of the volume and score a lot of the TDs. Everywhere else is just going to be touchdown dependent. 
and I'd rather not take guesses like that. So uh, let's move on to the next game, which is Ohio State at MSU. Uh, it is Ohio State minus 24, over under 59 and a half. And it's not, not a ton to say again with Ohio, Ohio State. We all know who the big dogs are there. It's Justin Fields. It's Master T, the third at running back. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are the receivers. Yes, find ways to get them into your lineup. They're probably good for, I'd say, four to five touchdowns every week in this offense. So you definitely want to have those guys. That's where the prices are the way they are. Um, I'm more so looking to find ways to get you to afford those guys. So a couple of guys I do want to mention on Ohio State that I do think have some decent value in prices is tight end Jeremy Rucker. So far this season, he has nine catches in the four games they've played. Three of those have been touchdowns. Like I said, this offense probably good to four to five scores minimum per week. So I don't mind a guy that even though he doesn't have a ton of volume, if you get a line from him, like three, four catches, 30, 35 yards, a touchdown, that's a ton of value for 3,500. So um, he has a couple games this week or this year where he had four catches, 20, 30 some yards and a touchdown or two. So um, he's a good red zone target for Justin Fields. That's where they like to throw him the ball. I think he makes sense if you're looking for value in this range. The other one is running back Trey Sermon. In every game this season, he has double-digit touches. So um, he's a guy who kind of runs the change of pace back for Master Teague. And if you're getting, again, double-digit touches in an offense like this week to week, you have value. You're going to be relevant in certain weeks. And some weeks really outperform your price. So... Those are the two guys I want to mention in that offense that I think are good targets for value. On the other side with MSU, look, we're just out. Um, you know I, I love my Spartans, but the quarterback play is so brutal with Rocky Lombardi that even if you're looking at a guy like Jaden Reed or Jalen Naylor, where I think they, they're they good players, they can get value in certain weeks, I don't know that this is going to be the week that you, you get it. Um, this is a week where I, I look at a team like Michigan State, and there's other teams on this board like this too, where... I worry they might not score a touchdown. Uh, that's a very real possibility. So when I have that in the back of my head, I just go, I can't deal with anyone on this offense. There's too much value other places on the board. So let's just get out of there and go to where that might be. Uh, Florida at Tennessee is the next game. Florida's minus 17, over under 62 and a half. Um, and look, just trying to reiterate the point of like what I do here on this podcast and also what I write um, on fakepigskin.com. I'm trying to look for guys like Jeremy Rucker and Trey Sermon in certain weeks where I think they make sense to play. That's why I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the Florida big dogs. We all know we want to play Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, uh, Kadarius Toney, uh, maybe even Damian Pierce there because they're just they're in a great offense. They score, again, four or five touchdowns a week with upside for more to get in like the six, seven range sometimes. So not going to talk about those guys a lot. We all know we want them. I'm just going to flip over to um, Tennessee and say, uh, Eric Gray or Bust at running back for me on that side. Uh, Jalen Hyatt's one of those guys who he's, I think he's around 3,700. I've talked about him a few times this year. He's looking like he's getting more involved with maybe one or two catches a week in that offense. And uh, Josh Palmer as well, I think, is, is a nice player. But again, quarterback play for Tennessee, even I think in a pretty decent matchup with Florida, who kind of just tries to outscore everyone and doesn't really, you know, they're trying on defense, but I think they're just a very offensive minded team under Dan Mullen, um, even in maybe a better matchup where teams have been able to put up points against Florida, the quarterback play is just really bad for Tennessee. And it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter uh, what the matchup is in, in a lot of ways. So 
Uh, let's get out of there and go to the Syracuse Orange at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is minus 33 and a half uh, over 151. So half of the game projection there. I can just say for sure we're out on Cuse. So again, it looks like a team that has potential not to score a touchdown. I'm not going to talk about them at all. On the Notre Dame side, we all know it's the Ian Book and Kyron Williams show. Um, so we know they're the best players. That's why they're priced the way they are. I think the guys I want to talk about more are the, um, the receivers, especially Javon McKinley. I think he might be emerging as more of the go-to guy. It's been going back and forth with him and Skolrenek a little bit. But um, at least in the last four games for Javon McKinley, he has at least five catches in all of them. And another thing I like about him this week is he hasn't caught a touchdown yet. And you just figure that that has to change at some point um, he, with how much he plays, how much he's involved in the offense. Eventually, a guy like that's not going to go scoreless throughout a whole season. Um, Cuse clearly is looking to get into the 40s this week. So um, this might be a good week to get that first touchdown of the season for McKinley. I think he makes sense a lot at 6K to outperform his price potentially. Definitely has a solid floor. And then the other one I want to talk about here is the backup running back situation because I think this is one of those games, I wrote about this um, on the post on Fake Pigskin, that I think if you're speculating and trying to take a, a guess at targeting game flow heroes, that Ty Chris Tyree makes a ton of sense at running back. And if this score can get to be like, you know, I don't know, 28 to 3 at half, there's a good chance midway through the third quarter, they're not going to see Kyron Williams anymore. Maybe not even Ian Book, and they're just going to try to start running clock, uh, and that's where Chris Tyree and Sebo Flemister come in. Sebo Flemister right now is probable to play, I believe, but um, I still think him and Tyree are kind of the RB2, RB2A. I don't know that there's much of a difference in terms of uh, their roles, so um, even if the game flow doesn't get out of whack and Tyree doesn't have um, more of an extended opportunity. He's still shown um, as a as a backup that kind of gets maybe a series or two a game in uh, regular game flow games that he can do um, a ton of damage, a decent amount of damage without a ton of volume. So I think even if it doesn't go sideways a little bit, that he still has enough volume to return some value so where you won't get nothing out of him. If you do play, take the risk, and it doesn't kind of work out the way you hoped. But um, I think all those circumstances I mentioned considered i think he does make sense where he could see a lot of more value this week and have a chance to just really outperform in price and be one of those guys around you know 3500 i think he's at 32 specifically but be one of those guys to really take advantage of that situation so something to consider there let's move to the next game it is texas at kansas state texas is minus seven over under a 51 for texas we all know about ellinger the question is what else um, the wide receivers just been all over the place lately. Um, Joshua Moore out of the gates appeared to be kind of the big star, a big play guy for Texas for this season. He's appears to be nursing some sort of a shoulder injury. It seems like it has some impact on his production lately. Just hasn't really been having uh, really any, like not just big games, but just really, really low production, like one catch game. So um, I don't know. I'm kind of, kind of, kind of just stay away from him. To see how this plays out. I think on Jake Smith's part at 4,900, I'd like that a little bit better. And Jordan Winnington too at 4,300. Those would be the guys I would target. I know Brennan Eagles has kind of been getting some of those, um, a lot of those back shoulder throws and big plays. 
that we saw from Moore earlier this season. Um, he's around 5,800, I believe. I don't know that I want to risk that on him. That seems like a, a hefty price where if I can get someone like Javon McKinley at 6K, I might go that route. So, um, yeah, Jake Smith or Whittington are some guys I would consider, but that's about it for Texas. You know my policy on Texas RBs. I don't do it because of the goal line impact that uh, Ellinger has on that running game. So he kind of serves as their de facto goal line running back. So um, no Texas RBs for me. On the Kansas State side, um, since Skylar Thompson went down, QB play has been really bad uh, with Will Howard or I think Nick Yeast. And uh, good news is UTD. Coming to town, ranks fourth worst in yards allowed. DFL against the pass and third worst scoring defense in the Big 12, giving up almost 30 a game. So question is, are they worth it? Um, whether it's Nick Aced or Will Howard, they have dirt cheap prices at quarterback. Uh, it's hard to find a starting quarterback at those prices. I think the matchup actually makes sense if, you, if you're kind of willing to take that I don't know how much of a risk it is. I mean, I think the Vegas projection is around 29 to 22 or something like that. That puts Kansas State on pace for like three touchdowns. I don't know. I I, I think I might be going in on this. Um, maybe a little Howard Deuce Vaughn stack, if you will. It's just a really uh, it's just a really good price for a starting quarterback. And even if you get like a 15 points out of it, it kind of makes it worth it for what it can do for the rest of your uh, cap to have to allocate to the rest of your position. So. Something to consider there if you want to pay down at the quarterback position is one of the Kansas State guys, depending on who does um, start, that is. Oh, and one more thing that I forgot to mention when I was talking about Michigan State and Ohio State. Be sure to pay close attention uh, you know, on Twitter, wherever, wherever you get your news for who's out, who's in, who's starting, who's not. Ohio State still having some COVID issues, I believe, and there's... Um, potentially they have guys that may need to sit out. So, again, it's all speculation, all hearsay, but something to pay very close attention to. Uh, it's gonna, Ohio State always going to be uh, impactful on any board. So be sure to uh, check that out there before you line up lock. So back to Kansas State. I think just because of the matchup I talked about, you know, we got a little value with Bradley Moore here, Shabaston Taylor, Phillip Brooks maybe. Um they're really dirt cheap wide receiver. Again, it's not an explosive offense no matter what. I'm not trying to get carried away here, but the matchup's good. And um, a lot of people take Texas for a ride. They're just they're not not they're just not very good defensively. So might be a good week for them to uh, get right, as they say. Let's move on to West Virginia, Iowa State. Iowa State minus six and a half over under 49 and a half. Is Letty Brown worth it? Um, Cyclone defense second in the Big 12 against the run. Low scoring projection, my answer would be no. I do not want Lenny Brown. Um, I have other guys I'm going to talk about later that I think what I would rather pay for at running back position, that I have better matchups. And altogether, I'm out in the Mountaineers because of this matchup. He's kind of one of the only playable guys anyway. On the other side for Iowa State, West Virginia also ranks fourth in college football in terms of yards allowed. Uh, per game defensively, giving up 274 yards. Uh, that's really good. And they're first in the Big 12 in that and scoring defense. So I'm just going to be out on this game altogether. Uh, I just think there's other places. And the, it would be in the next game too. Nebraska at Purdue. Great projection. Purdue minus two over under of 62. 
that back and forth race to 30. Um, that's what we like to see. Nebraska's a QB situation to watch here between Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez. I don't know that they name a starter. As long as they do name a starter and there's a, at least some assurance that they're not rolling with a, the dreaded two-quarterback system, uh, I think whoever does start has a lot of value in this matchup. Uh, both have been shown they've been able to have big statistical performances in the past in uh, friendly matchups like this one. So um, I think those quarterbacks make sense, who, whoever does. Other than that, for Nebraska, I'm Wandale Robinson. He's that running back receiver flex kind of guy. I'm, I'm him or bust. There's no one else I have any real interest in. The quarterback position does a lot of running as well, whether it's Martinez or Luke McCaffrey. So uh, I just, they're, they're really their most reliable option almost in the run and the pass game is Wandale Robinson. So that's the only guy. I like him. On the other side, uh, Ronnell Moore everywhere. Yes. Uh, his price is hilarious. It's 6800 that's um it's less than david bells which it's just it's a joke it's another thing where you know you look at dk it's like do you have human beings review this or is this just like spit out of a computer and you just say ready set go um more obviously has potential to be the top receiver on any board any contest he's in so that's his upside and uh i'm gonna have him probably over the guy i want to talk about at running back that i'd rather play than a guy like Letty Brown is Xander Horvath for Purdue. Uh, his numbers are way up this year. He's just a different player so far, uh, running, receiving, the whole package. So um, I really like this matchup, um, game flow, the, the projection, everything. I think this is a great spot for Horvath to continue a really big season offensively he's having for Purdue. And I would rather play him than Letty Brown and Brees Hall, in fact. So, um, And I think in general, Purdue is, a, is an offense that – I want to be a part of this Saturday. I think they're going to be um, – there's just a lot a lot of upside here. Looking for maybe, you know, four to five scores I'm, I'm going to see. So let's move on to the next game. It is Boston College at Virginia. A few notes here. I think you want to check the status of David Bailey. I think he's questionable. He's a running back for Boston College. I think if he's out, Travis Levy and Pat Garrow are the benefactors and, and may, might make some sense based on their low price. Uh, everyone else just very touchdown dependent in these offense, uh, in this offense, and uh, I'm just not interested. I think for the money I have to spend on someone like Zay Flowers, I think I can just do better. So um, on the other side, it's kind of the same deal with Virginia. Both these offenses, a lot of guys are just touchdown dependent. It's kind of Brennan Armstrong, the quarterback for Virginia, or bust. But I think the prices are fail, fair on Lavelle Davis and Billy Kemp. Um, so I think they can be productive. But, um, again, I, I don't know that, that they're, again, just touchdown dependent. Volume's more decent than guys like for Boston College, let's say. But um, I'd rather spend my money elsewhere. So let's move on to a game where I think you might have more value. It's Georgia Tech at NC State. This is the right type of projection. NC State minus 7 over under 60. Uh, on the Tech side, I think tech prices are fair on Jameer Gibbs and Jeff Sims. I think that they have great spots to be productive, so I, I don't mind playing them at all. The wide receivers, all still very touchdown dependent for Georgia Tech. Um, Sims' play can be very inconsistent. Um, some, I think their leading receiver might even be Jameer Gibbs or close to it. So um, him and Gibbs are, are kind of the, the two cogs in this offense that you want to uh, pay attention to and, and target. One other guy I want to mention, I think Jordan Mason is a little bit interesting at 4,200, the running back. 
protect. He had 21 touches in their last game when he came back about a missed about a month for an injury. So I thought it was um, interesting to see him come back and get a pretty heavy workload. He played early in the game too. This was um, not a situation where they were blowing someone out and he got a bunch of uh, junk time t- carries. Uh, they were they were early on in the game, so I think he's part of the offense currently moving forward. Uh, so him and Jameer Gibbs are the two guys you want. I think uh, the value at 4,200 with Mason, if you're looking for guys to pay down in that running back position, I think he's one that makes sense. On the other side, the story has been um, Bailey Hockman to Thayer Thomas over the last two weeks, the wide receiver for NC State. I think he's had back-to-back like, double-digit 100-yard performances, and I think even maybe three or four touchdowns over that span as well. I read an article about it. It's kind of interesting. I think he's very well-respected, Thomas, that is, um, by by Bailey Hockman, by the coaches. Uh, they just describe him as a really hard worker, and I think he had like a one catch against Miami, and Hockman was like, you know what, I went off him after game and said, hey, we got to get you the ball. Um, it's not going to happen again. And they clearly uh, they clearly have a connection. And, the, the, you know, the question is, too, is this a fluke or is it more of a sign of what's to come the rest of the season? And I don't think it is a fluke. I think clearly he trusts this guy. They've been really productive the last couple of weeks. And why not until someone can prove that, you know, they're going to take him away or play him differently? Uh why, why not? Why shouldn't this keep up? Now, is he going to get double-digit catches every week? I wouldn't say that, but I think a floor of five to six, 60, 70 yards, yeah, I think that's reasonable moving forward. And um, now we just have a different ceiling for a guy like Thayer Thomas. That's the difference. So um, I think he makes sense at 5,900 if you're looking for a guy with a nice floor with potential for uh, a big day. So uh, anything else? On... Oh, and I just, you know, might as well mention Porter Rooks. You know, he's my guy from early in the season. One of those guys who's 3K, probably gets you a catch at least so you don't get nothing. If you want to build your lineup like that, like I do sometimes, I like to start with one 3K guy and kind of take a shot. Uh, so anyway, he's one of those guys. Um, but in general, I think it's a solid game to target. Um, nice game projection from Vegas. Next game, Texas A&M at Auburn. Texas A&M, minus 6.5, over under 48. Auburn allowing 162 yards per game rushing. Uh, so, yeah, we know it's uh, Spiller, Isaiah, that is, and a nice Smith, all systems go. Everyone else on Texas A&M still, again, like I said, with other squads, very touchdown dependent. Um, Chase Lane is their, their leading receiver, but there really hasn't been much consistency outside of him. Um, again, you can find value in that offense from receivers. It's just you're not going to know where it's going to come from week to week because everyone's just so touchdown dependent. So um, if you're looking for a guy with consistency, it's probably Chase Lane and that's it. On the Auburn side, outside of Georgia and Bama, A&M has the best D in the SEC. Uh, they, get, they allow 87 yards per game on the ground. And I'm just avoiding Auburn altogether this week. Um, it's just a tough matchup for them. Even if they do, um, you know, play a good game, I just think this is more of a, an ugly, low-scoring SEC game with that projection they gave you of 48 um, of the over/under. So let's just move on, shall we? Three games to go, and the next one is Iowa at Illinois. Iowa's minus 13 and a half over/under 51. I think Tyler Goodson in a great spot at running back for Iowa to have a big week. I think his kind of 
backup or slash, you know, 1A guy, Mechie Sargent at 4,800 also makes sense for a guy if you want to pay down. Um, this Illinois defense has just been really bad. Can't stop anybody. Uh, and uh, Amir Smith-Marset is the one guy for the wide receivers for Iowa that I would consider. Um, but quarterback play has been um, a little bit shaky for them as well. And they're just not a big passing team. So I think Marset Smith-Marset is, is a great playmaker. He was last year. So I think he doesn't need a ton of catches to do damage. And he's a guy in that range who he can probably hit one or two big plays and return value at that price. So I think he makes sense of anyone for Iowa receivers. Other than that, not interested. On the Illinois side, it's Josh Emerbebe. Emerbebe. Love saying that name. Um, he's It's him or bust for Illinois. Uh, there's just, um, you know, I think this is just one of those ratty small 10 games. Iowa D is usually one of the better defenses in the conference, and especially when they play the less superior teams, um, they usually they usually make them look pretty bad. So I think Illinois is one of those teams, and um, I just don't see this going that well for, for the Illini offense. So let's just move on. Speaking of ratty games, Stanford at Washington. Washington is minus 11.5, over under 51. Um, it's a no for me. With uh, Stanford, Washington, again, one of the usually the better defensive teams in that conference. It just plays more physical. Again, there's only been like, I think, three games for men, so I'm not saying they're, you know, the steel curtain yet or anything like that. But usually in general, they just coach defense a lot better than uh, the rest of the teams in that conference, or at least put an emphasis on it. So, um, and Stanford's nothing to write home about. Uh, I, I, their, their QB play's been rough and uh, David Mills or whatever. I, I don't know. It's just not interested. Um, on the other side of Washington, kind of the same deal. I think there's probably going to get some value from the running back position. I just don't know where it's going to come from. The usage has been all over the place in their games. They've played usually up to like four running backs really are, are getting a pretty equal amount. Um, I think Richard Newton is the one that maybe might make the most sense, but still they've been all over the place with their usage and uh, I don't want to pay for it. It's a total guess. So, and then um, at quarterback Dylan Morris, I I just need to see more. I there's no been no consistency with the passing game. I don't know that they'll want to pass a whole ton or need to pass. Let's just say. So um, yeah, let's just get out of this game and move on to our last one. It's Indiana and Wisconsin. Another ratty game. Wisconsin minus 14 over under 45. Yuck. Um, yeah, Indiana out. No Penix, no Hoosiers for me. Maybe. I'm, I can kind of envision a world where they want to have a lot of design throws and a lot of like get guys in space to kind of manufacture some offense and drives. To me, that screams Watt failure. And I could see him at 4,400. I, I think I could see him outperforming that price and potentially having one of those like double digit, like 11 catch for like 85 yard games. Um, I think that's possible. I could see a world where that happens, but again, without knowing too much about it, I believe it's Jack Tuttle. I don't know. I don't know if I can trust it, but not paying a huge price at 4400 for failure. That's the only guy. Um, and also, just to um, keep in mind that Wisconsin, probably the best defensive team in the Big Ten. Um, one of the best rushing defenses, I think, in the country. It's just going to be a tough sliding for Stevie Scott, so that's why we just got to Say goodbye to the Hoosiers probably for now and the rest of the season. On the other side, I think uh, for Wisconsin, Jalen Berger 
strong consideration at running back at 5,800. He looks like he's taking over um, those duties. As far as the lead back is concerned, it, at the beginning of the season, it was Garrett Groshek. And I always thought that was weird because he just isn't a lead back type player. He was kind of their third down pass catching back last season. And I, when I watched him play, I was just surprised to see them coming into this season having him be like, he's our he's our next Jonathan Taylor. I was like, no, he is not. Uh, so I think they're they're quickly seeing that. <laughs> They've gone to uh, Jalen Burr the last couple weeks is kind of more of the lead back role. And I think he's been pretty good. So uh, I think this is a good spot, even though Indiana's better defensively. They, they're putting a lot more effort on that side of the ball this season. Um, I think Berger is probably going to have the, the most chances to do some damage here. Um, other than that, not interested in Wisconsin. Uh, Graham works. The passing games are just really inconsistent. I don't know if there's anyone that I'm uh, interested in paying for in that part of the offense. So with that said, that is it. We have made it through the 13 games. I did it. You did it. We did it. Coming up next... If you uh, are inclined to stick around, we're going to do NFL picks. I'm 18 and 12 over the last six weeks, people. I'm, uh, I'm hot. I'm going to finish strong here down the stretch in the next five weeks. So uh, stick around. We're also going to do a little editorial on the state of Michigan and Michigan State football, if you'd like to hear that, because we uh, live in those areas and uh, we like to have a little fun with it. So um, stick around. It starts now. Okay, we're uh, after a little two-week hiatus. Um, it's week 13 of the NFL. As always, I'm joined by the doctor to talk our picks. Doctor, how's your lockdown going? That's going pretty well, Bob. Just, uh, just grinding away, man. <laughs> grinding away. Yes. Working, working and parenting all at the same time. Yes. I assume the holidays went well. Uh, yeah, we just just stay at the house. Yeah. <laughs> you? Did you spread? Uh, yeah. Were you a I, spreader? I, I possibly spread a little bit. As you know, I had a I had a little mini COVID scare, uh, but I turned out to be a mild case of food poisoning, and I got a test that was negative. But uh, well, I did glad to hear that. I did go to my uh, sister's for a small gathering, which I think was within the rules. So. Okay. Um, it was it, it was fun. It was good. I got to see my uh, niece, who I pretty much haven't seen since she was born. So okay. that was nice. <laughs> it was She's nice. like three now. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you know, she she turned one in October, so that's not that. Nice. But uh, all right, all right. but uh, hey, let's talk some records uh, on our picks. The last couple, well, last week we were both two and three. I take responsibility for the Chargers. That's Anthony Lynn's in-game coaching at the end's fault. Wow. Wow. They should have scored. They should have scored. That was so bad. They, they should have scored so a touchdown. <laughs> so that would have put me to three and two. So I'm not taking responsibility for that. You also, I'm going to let you off the hook for Kansas City minus three and a half. And anyone else who had that had to puke in their mouth a little bit because I watched that game felt like the biggest three point blowout I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And and uh, it would be tough to have that hook if you were uh, on Kansas City. So um, you should have been three and two, my friend. And then on the season, I am at 28-32. I'm crawling back there to 500 over the last six weeks with 18 and 12. So a nice positive right. for me. Wow. And uh, you are, I have you at 31-28-1. So still in the black 
And uh, we're looking to be back and finish strong over the final five weeks of the NFL. I, I got I got to I got to confess, Bob, on, on last week's pick. Um, sure. You know you you've brought up the the film uh, Two for the Money on this show uh, before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially as it relates to your psych system. Yes. Uh, do you remember during that movie where uh, I believe John Anthony, uh, Matthew McConaughey, got, got a little cocky and yes. uh, spent no time on his picks and I think submitted his card on a Tuesday and went, went golfing? <laughs> yes. I, uh, I, I may or may not have taken a, a similar approach uh, last <laughs> week. It didn't, didn't, really, didn't really dive as deep as I, uh, as I probably should have, but uh, I got away with it. Okay, <laughs> kind of. That's well. That's you paid for. That's that's what the gods, the gambling gods, did that to you in Kansas City. That's what it cost you. Yes. Yep. Um, are you like shuffling papers around or something? I'm hearing. I am not. I'm not what shuffling around papers. What is this noise? Or whatever. Anyway. All right. Um, all right. Uh, ATS trends through weeks. Um, it is the dogs are continuing to bark. They are ahead. Underdogs are at 94, 73, and five. Um, last week, especially for the favorites, was a slaughter. They were 5-11 and 11 last week, uh, so it was a tough week for them. Home road splits is even at 86-86-4, where the home teams the last few weeks have been uh, fighting back a little bit. Home favorites, 46-58-3. Home dogs, 38-26-2. Substantial favorites, when you consider to be of 7 or greater, are 26-28-2 against the spread. And outright losses from those substantial favorites, there were seven so far on the year i think the last one was a couple weeks it was the vikings to the boys um at home i think we're favored by seven and a half and they got taken down by the red rifle so uh all right this week we have 15 games as of right now uh we have monday night a doubleheader another tuesday night game which uh has been kind of interesting there are there are 10 home favorites five home dogs and as far as substantial favorites doctor eight eight big numbers out there this week uh, it's it's teaser week, my friend. It's three-team yeah. teaser week. Uh, you can so, come up with two or three of those this week. Easily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> e- easily. I'm, I'm sure I will. Uh, uh, so where do you want to start off in your first pick here? Well, let's let's not waste any time. Let's let's do the good stuff here. Um, let's go to let's go to Chicago. Uh, oh my gosh. I, I don't know what I'm what I'm more excited about. If it's uh, you know, Mitchie being back or you know Quinn and Patricia. Uh, are gone. Um, I don't know what uh, which one is more exciting, but big game here. So before we get into the game, I have a question for you. Yeah. The next coach of the Detroit Lions will yes. be CDS's fourth, fourth head coach with the Lions. So right. Schwartz, Caldwell, Patricia, and hopefully Jim Harbaugh. Uh, do you know <laughs> how many starting quarterbacks in the NFL have stayed with the same team and experienced four different head coaches? It like currently or in ever? Ever. I I'm gonna say it's like single digits, maybe even zero. Yeah, I don't know the answer to it either, but it's gotta <laughs> be fucking close to zero. Nobody gets it. No, like how is that even possible? Like if you're that I good don't. of a quarterback, you're not just losing. Uh, and your coach getting turned over all the time. Like, it makes zero sense. So, I don't, I don't know. know. I understand we need to move on from the coach, but if people haven't figured out we need to move on from the quarterback. They're just stupid. Okay. Anyway, all right. So, <laughs> well, so I did want to – let me, let me oh, add on okay. to that a little bit just for context. I, I was talking with my uh, uncle, and we, he was saying, I've 
like just to give context, like like the Lions suck a tube. Um, we've seen a, a franchise like Arizona in the last like probably I'd say 10, 12 years get to a Super Bowl with Kurt Warner, rebuild with Bruce Arians, get to an NFC title game with Carson Palmer, and now getting back to a, a playoff caliber <laughs> team under uh, yeah. what's his nuts with Kyler Murray. It's yeah. like it's just it's unbelievable, and uh, I think more importantly though, <laughs> reg regardless. Regardless of a head coach, I think the goal should be first you got to hire a GM, and then this will this will tell you all you need to know. Um, if if they're whoever they hire, if they are allowed, and if they are able, capable of doing their job, the first thing they will do is get a trade for Stafford out of here before the next draft, yep. and that'll at least tell you that this person has autonomy and they actually have a clue what they're doing. So yes, and if that doesn't happen, then you know it's over. <laughs> or another three years, buckle up, right? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. That's a great comparison with Arizona. That I mean, yeah. that, is, that is fantastic. And I like it, that. It's pretty amazing. So I, did tell, I can't believe you're actually going to place a pick on this game. Oh, 100%. Here's why. Look, so <laughs> we got Detroit and Chicago. Uh, yeah, the Lions are one in four of their last five. The defense has been absolutely horrific, giving up close to 33 points a game. But the deal is we, we're facing Mitch. So – that, that even even this Lions defense without the mastermind of Matty P on the sidelines can <laughs> can shut down Mitch. Look, Mitch has played four games this year, six turnovers, taken ten sacks. The Lions got to be able to do something here. Bears haven't won uh, since week six. Right? They are they have not won a game since week six. Think about that. Um, so it, it's just a disaster there. Nagy doesn't know what going, what's going on. He can't decide whether he wants to call the plays, not call the plays. I mean, he's, he is he has got to be so deep in his own head right now. So I, I just I, I think the Lions are are in a spot here to get a win. Uh, they'll say you get a little energy bump too with the interim coach. So so weigh that into this week. I mean, the numbers show that since 2003, there's been 30 in-season firings. I was surprised yeah. by that. I actually thought that number would be more. 30 in-season firings. After the game after, you end up about 500, both straight up and against the spread. So it's, you think it's a coin toss, but you got to remember that most of these teams are awful, and so they've actually been 30% straight up win percentage, and and ATS. So they are actually getting, in fact, a bump up to get to 500 on that. If that makes sense. So uh, this is a place for the Lions, and I've been listening to a little sports talk local here. People are like <laughs> looking at the schedule and going, "How can we get in the playoffs? Can we make something happen?" And oh this is the start God. of it. Yeah, oh, I'm serious. serious. I'm serious. I am dead serious. Oh I don't even know the name God. of the show. It's like on my five, it's like a five-minute run to Starbucks. Literally, we're like going through the next uh, the next few games and going, okay, uh, if we get this week, if we could split with, I think it's Tampa and Tennessee are on the schedule. If we could okay. split with them, shock Green Bay, we're, we're going to be back <laughs> in it. I mean, it is, it is hilarious. But – Anyway, so this is a Lions game where they actually win and these delusional people get a little hold back. So Detroit plus three is the pick. <laughs> All right. Well, no, it's oh, – oh, yeah, they're plus three. Um, oh, yeah, one more thing, one more thing. Yeah, Just yeah, ATS, yeah. for the ATS lovers. Bears, one in six in last seven games as a home favorite. So there you go. Okay. Um, yeah, I, and I think – I would never pick this game. I, I probably would pick the Lions. I just, I just think it was clear, I think, just – I think the mutiny is just over now that they're gone because those last two games were just – it was on uh, shut shut up by the Panthers, right? And I, I think it's a bit of a stick it to them game too. From a not only stick it to the to Patricia and, and Matty P, but also there's a little revenge factor here with the, the Chicago from Week One. So I, I just think Detroit kind of gets up for this one. 
Mitchell. All right. Um, Mitchie. <laughs> Mitchie. All right. Um, I'm going to go to another regime that just got ousted. And now a lot of people are talking about the interim guy being, being hot, turning things around. And that's Atlanta Falcons and Raheem Morris. And uh, yeah. look, it's been cute. They're four and two. Um, but I'm just not buying into this whole thing. They haven't beaten any good teams. They're just beating a bunch of ratty teams, just like they're a ratty team. And uh, the Saints are doing their thing. They're one of the hottest teams in the NFL outside of the Steelers. They have the longest win streak. They're going for nine in a row. Um, and the two teams that Atlanta has lost to in its little Raheem Morris era here, you'll love this. It's been the Lions with the first one. <laughs> and then... And then and then uh, they lost New Orleans and Taysom Hill two weeks ago. It was 24-9. They had like 250 yards total offense. Um, look, New Orleans is a much better team. Uh, they revel in these situations. It's just like last year when Breeze was out. Uh, Bridgewater came and everyone said they're not going to be able to hold, hold water. And they, they played some of the best football of their season with Bridgewater. So, um, yeah. It's uh, the Saints minus the three. They get their ninth in a row. All right. So you, you believe in Taysom to get another W. Yeah, and I just don't believe in the whole like, ooh, Raheem Morris, he's you know yes. doing his thing, so whatever. <laughs> All right, good deal. Uh, for my next one, I will go to Minnesota, uh, Jacksonville at Minnesota, uh, Minnesota minus ten. Um, look, as bad as the Jags have been, and they they are bad. Uh, this to me is not about them. This is actually about the Vikings. Uh, yeah, they've won four of their last five. Um, they are they are really believing in, in a playoff run here to get to nine and seven, and, and they're starting to feel that. Uh, I think they've been playing pretty well. Um, you know, although they're kind of winning close and the Jags are losing close, I think that's going to change this week. Uh, they've got Cook and Thalen back for I think the first time together in a while. Um, they're they're the Vikings are really looking to kind of get something rolling here. Um, and if you think about last week's game against Carolina, that would have been a blow. They had two really, really bad turnovers that basically turned into 14 points for Carolina. Other than that, Minnesota looked, looked really, really good. Uh, Captain Kirk, passer rating last in four of the last five games has been over 115. Uh, yep. League leader is AR12 at 117.6. So, you know, if you kind of believe in those rating numbers, that, that shows you how well he's playing. They've obviously proven um, – they can run the football, and so I think they're going to put a bunch of points. The, the Jags, you know, you can go through the statistics. They're, I mean, they are awful. They're worst in yards per play, uh, fourth yeah. worst in pass and rush yards. So there's nothing to believe in here on the Jags side. I'm, I'm going, you know, kind of your good, good team, bad team here. I'm going, you know, good team, uh, Minnesota in a big way, uh, foot on the gas the whole time, and you know, well above the 10 point spread. Okay, yeah, and the other thing too with uh, the Vikings. Uh, rookie receiver Justin Jefferson. He's been uh, great for them. So I don't think they've missed a beat without Stefan Diggs. Um, okay. And then also, just to add on to that, I looked at this game and I looked at Minnesota and thought, have they even beaten anyone by double digits? And they mm-hmm. have. They beat, they beat okay, one team. One. Do, you, do you know who it was? The Lions. The Lions. Okay. There it is. <laughs> there it is. So, so yeah, I did I did look at that and I, and I saw that, but I, I just, I think they are. Um, forever it's worth for them, whether they make the playoffs or not. They are taking a next step as a team here these past few weeks, and I, th- and I think they're going to continue to do that over the next few. Okay. I just I just wonder how their defense has just fallen off a lot, but whatever. All right. Um, okay. Let's go to the desert where the Rams of Los Angeles are coming in to face the Cardinals. 
And, you know, I've been for the Rams a lot, off the Rams. I actually picked against them last week because I think for some reason San Francisco has their number, which we're going to talk about them later too. But uh, it worked out, and now I'm, I'm thinking this is a bounce-back spot for them. Uh, they still got a very, very good team. All the statistics rank out, defensive, running, all of it. Uh, and I think this is just a nice bounce-back spot for them against a Cardinal team that is very reliant on Kyler Murray to be successful, which is fine. But right now there's some shoulder problems. I think if he's at 100%, it's going to be hard for them to win against the better teams. So I think the Rams, in a bounce back in the desert, minus the three points, oh. win win and cover, I'm back on my Rams. Well, if that happens, then uh, you know, that'll help the Lions' playoff case if they get if they get a W. Because <laughs> as I heard on the radio this morning on way to Starbucks, the Lions hold yeah, the, the tiebreaker, tiebreaker over the Cardinals. <laughs> Are these people? People what? are talking you, about it. You people shouldn't even. You shouldn't want them to win these games. Well, that, well, that was actually part of the discussion too. They they were smart enough to kind of mention that. Do you do you want them to give you some life, or do you want them just to lay out and, and, and get that best draft pick? So, uh, all right, uh, all right, uh, Jesus. Uh, all right, uh, my next one. I'm going to Tennessee, uh, Cleveland at Tennessee. Tennessee minus five point five. Look, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching this game. Uh, you have two eight and three playoff bound teams. I think a lot of people are really high on Tennessee right now, and I think people are still questioning the Browns. Are they good? Uh, I'm on uh, Browns being good side. Uh, so my pick here is Cleveland plus five point five. But both teams are are really good at uh, the run, and they're run heavy. Titans run at fifty percent of the time, which is fourth in the league. Uh, and Cleveland runs at 52% of the time, which would be second in the league. Yeah. Uh, as, as a reference to, to how you know, dominant that is, you know, the middle of the league is typically around like 40% run. So, you know, both these teams are, are running at 10 plus percent more than, than middle of the road teams in the league. Um, you know, with that in mind, Cleveland is one in rush yards and Tennessee is two in rush yards and both are around five yards per carry, which is at the top of the league. So, Look, it came to me like which team can actually stop the run, and that's where Cleveland's defense comes in. I think they're better at stopping the run. They're in top 10 in most of those statistics. Uh, total yards, yards per game, and yards per attempt. So I think they're going to go to you know, kind of bottle that run game up a little bit, force Tannehill in the throw a little more. Um, and I think that, that goes well for Cleveland. Um, I also am expecting, you know, Baker had a bunch of win games where you know, he just couldn't throw the ball. He was like three weeks straight. It was win and rain yeah. for him. Yeah. Uh, so I look forward to you know, hopefully some good weather for them and that offense to, to continue to, to get better. So Cleveland, plus five and a half. Yeah, I like everything you just said. I looked at this game and I, I stayed away from it, but I would go with Cleveland for everything you mentioned. I think they're very, very similar style teams where they yep. run the ball well, um, do enough in the passing game. Defenses are a little shaky, but I think the Browns has a, kind of an X factor with Miles Garrett. So um yeah, I, I would go Cleveland there too. I think if, if the weather's good, I would like a little touch the over there. I don't know. Ooh, ooh, look at you. Oh, man, who knows? Okay. Who knows? All right, I have two strictly um, kind of going against the public picks here. Oh, okay. We might, um, I might have a common one here with you. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Okay. So, um, and one resides with my um, my child, Deshaun Watson. Um, they, I believe I looked at it, it was like something like 85% of the bets on Vegas insiders said it was Indy and I can see why it's a typical, they're definitely the better team. No question about that. Um, typical bounce back week going on the road, playing a bad team, just got kind of got embarrassed by Tennessee last week. Yeah. They're going to bounce back. I get it. 
Uh, no, they're not. And uh, every, every time planet Earth needs something this bad, it, does, it doesn't work out. So um, I'm on Deshaun Watson plus the three and a half at home. The other one is in Wisconsin with the Packers. Oh, whoa, okay. Well, this might this this is gonna be interesting because I, I didn't flag this one as a heavy heavy percenter. So let's see. Okay. I think I looked when I I think when I looked last night it was something crazy like ninety six four percent Packers. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. And it was it was crazy. Uh it, it, again, this is going off of what's on Vegas Insider. I think they're fairly accurate. They're yeah. they're play, they're playing off of I think a couple different books out there. So Look, I mean, I, I understand why, right? The Eagles are kind of a mess. Uh, there's all kinds of smoke around that locker room. A lot of talk about Carson Wentz. Um, and it's just like he's looked like he forgot how to play football. Yeah. I get it. And if you look at actually some of their metrics around their team, their team isn't – their team members, like defensively running the ball, they're not they're, that bad. They're average. They're average. Yeah. I looked at yeah. it. Yeah. And, and – uh, and so it's that just goes tells you like it must be quarterback play. It's, I did look at Wentz's numbers; and they're they're unbelievably brutal. Uh, um, go ahead. Yeah, where do you want to start? Go ahead. Where, I was going to start with the QBR, so I, I have this game in the book too. Uh, okay. So you're going to go QBR? Yeah, that I, one. I I was just going to go sacks. Did you see the okay, number of sacks? There? I didn't I didn't catch that. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so, I, so this is going to be off the top of my head, so it's not going to be exactly accurate, but it was something like. It was something like through through all of last season he was sacked 25 times. Let's say he's already been sacked like 37 times. I was like, what? Wait, what? This is. It was a crazy number, and uh, that's also a number that just tells you like, you know, someone's just not seeing things well. Um, they're they're holding the ball too long. They, they you know they're they're trying to scramble, make too many plays. It's just like, man, it was a crazy number. And I just, yeah, I, his his QBR is under 50. Okay, and that puts him in with. Mullins, Foles, Locke, and Darnold. I, you just there you go. That's just not that's just not the company you want to be keeping. Uh, you, you can pile on that. I mean, his TD to interception ratio is one to one. There's like two other QBs in the league that have a you know a worse ratio than that. And if you add in uh, fumbles, if you add in fumbles, he's turned the ball over like by far the most I think by any quarter. It's like almost twenty times. Holy shit, Bob! It's forty six sacks. Yes. <laughs> that was so crazy. I was like, because I was going to bring it up, we didn't talk last week, but I was. I was looking at it, I was going, oh my, man, what? it's, I, it, why? I, you know, I hate to pile on a seemingly good guy, but it's, I mean, you're right. When you say forgot to play football, I mean, you were sending me texts last week too, like, uh, when does he go? Is this the end? It's just tough to pile on the guy because he seems like a decent guy, but he also had some quotes that lead you to believe that he is delusional too, and he, he doesn't know what's going on. He's a lost soul right now. Well, there, there was a, also some reports before the Monday night game, which we both had the Eagles. We both picked the Eagles in that, uh, and they, they did the job, but um, yeah, you got no one. You got you got to know when to do it and when not to. Which I, I think today you're you're going to, which is going to be one that I'm not going to do, and I'll explain it a little further after you get done. Well, so there was reports on Monday that like there was a GM mandate from Jeffrey Lowry to uh, Doug Peterson that if Wentz struggles, Jalen hurts, you better put him in. And I was like, whoa, whoa, like that's that's something's going on here. Like something, it's 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 getting ugly. So, um, and they did put him in for a series. But, uh, yeah, he's he's gotten in there a little bit. Yep. So I don't know if like I don't know are we gonna see him like half and half with the Packers. I don't know. Bottom line is they are an utter mess, and um, that's why I'm taking them plus eight and a half points. So there you go. Okay. Well, 
on the Jalen Hurts thing, I don't know that he's going to be your answer. He might get you a game uh, here or there, but I don't think that's like the long-term solution there. No, uh, I don't either. And, and anyway, so um, I, I think this is one where the, the public is is right. Look, we've obviously <laughs> talked about how bad Wentz is. So, look, GB has kind of been up and down. Uh, but for the most part, minus the Tampa Bay game, the one thing they're consistent on, scoring points. Yeah. Okay. So we already talked about the Philly D being pretty average here. So let's just assume that Green Bay gets to the average of 32 points. So pretty basic question. Can the QB that we just described <laughs> get you to 24? Yeah, because they're getting Zach Ertz no. back. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, the answer is absolutely not, Bob. He cannot. The last time the Philadelphia offense has eclipsed 23 points was week seven. Okay? So I appreciate your contrarian view here, but – it's not. It's not happening. This. It's just. It's too dire. Uh, they covered last week. Luckily, when we had them, it's not happening back to back. So tough. L, tough L for you to be taking on Sunday. Unfortunately, you <laughs> sure you don't want to change your pick after everything I just said? Hey, would you like? Would you like to take? Would you like Green Bay <laughs> at plus two and a half? Minnesota down to a pick, and let's say either the Dolphins down just one and a half. Chiefs minus four. Would you like that? I might, might rather have Pitt plus two, but yeah, I think I'd like them all. Let's just do two. Let's do two of them this week. Two with three unique teams. Okay. Okay. Um. All right. So we're you have the pack, right? I have the pack minus the eight and a half. Yeah. Okay. So I think I have one more to go. As do I. Yep. Okay. I'm going to finish. We're going to go back to the desert, Doctor. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> because the Niners well play. That's <laughs> right. The Niners are now um, playing their home games for the foreseeable future, at least the next two, uh, in the desert at Cardinals Home Stadium. It's going to be this week on Monday night. Uh, they're the second part of the doubleheader, uh, and I have the Niners plus one point. I'm kind of sticking with this team. I've been very impressed with how they've been able to hold their season together, not just win games with beating good teams, like winning games against the Rams. As just, I, I, I mean, I, I made that pick last week because I thought it was almost too easy to take the Rams. But right in that game, like two quarters in, I was just like, yeah, no, they're 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 going to at least cover this game. They might not win, but they're covered. And uh, they did. And they're just they're playing really well. I saw some crazy stat that they set a record um, by playing. They've now played 74 different people in uh, games this season. It's a franchise record. And I just read that and was like, I think if I had a coach of the year vote, it might go to Kyle Shanahan. Um, I, now, I, did I hear you correctly? You said you've been a supporter of this team for for how long? Oh uh, no, I just I think going back to last season, I liked the way they were they were playing. I thought if I remember, and I could be wrong, and maybe it was last season. I, I think the first five weeks or six weeks of this of this season, if we go back to old pods, you were slamming the Niners, calling them a shell of themselves. Well, I, I think there was one week where mm. all these injuries caught up, and and I and I was like, yeah, I think, I mean, I, no, that's why I'm. Surprised. I think you said I, it's over. I think you said it's over. I I, pro- I, I thought it was because <laughs> with these with these injuries, I like there's no I, I I can't think of an example where a team loses. Literally, think about this: they lose multiple people on their defensive line for the year, including their best player Nick Bosa. Uh, they lose every running back on their roster. Both uh, backup quarterback and starting quarterback, best receiver, all these guys out all, multiple weeks or for the season, and they're still winning games. There's not an example I can think of that's like it where they remain competitive. They're actually having outside shot at the playoffs if they keep winning. So, 
Um, I'm picking them to win this game. So I, I think they're going to keep it together. And I think they'll win in the desert at home against the Buffalo Bills. I like the double desert play there. They're, yeah. They're impressive. Yeah. All right. My last one is uh, a bit like your previous two, the ones you put together, uh, the public play. So I initially looked at Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, hit minus eight and a half. I was a slight lean towards Washington. I wasn't sure if it was going to make the list here. And then I saw it was uh, 80 20. Uh, and I did a little deeper modeling of this. And <laughs> the model says go with Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> look, there's a lot of hype around Washington right now. Um, I, I think people want this team to be good. Uh, so they're standing by this defense, which I think is okay. Statistically, okay. St- statistically, the defense is really good. Uh, but if you go look at the schedule, there's a reason why it's statistically good. I mean, I think you got. Two games against the Giants. I think the lie downs are in there. The Bengals are in there. I mean, just some of the bottom feeders of the NFL is propping up this defense. And the flip side of that, you've got a Pittsburgh team, which is, you know, I think winning uh, close games. And there's a lot of people that are thinking, like, is this a good 11 0 team? Are are they really that good? Uh, I think they are. I think they're going to expose Washington a little bit and kind of crush the hopes of the Washington football team fans of this winning the East and going to the playoffs. I think that that narrative is, <laughs> of course, unless the East all loses this week, then it'll continue for another week. But anyway, I'm going pit uh, minus the eight here uh, against the public, a little contrarian play like you did earlier. Okay. That's interesting that people are like seriously hyping up the Washington thing. I don't know. Well, the, um, de- the defense, no, you, I think you hear a lot about it. Like the Washington defense is being talked about as a really, really good defense. You don't hear that? Oh yeah, no. I mean, the, the defense is good. I, their their defensive line has a lot of good players, so they, they, I think they're they're they are good. Uh, but I think okay. Pittsburgh's defense, Pittsburgh's defense Pittsburgh's is phenomenal. Better. Yeah, they're, they're right. way better. But I'm just saying, I'm using the narrative on Washington being a good team is this defense, right? It's not, certainly not the yeah. offense, although it's, yeah. it's somewhat competent. Alex Smith, and I'm just saying the defense isn't even that good. Uh, I shouldn't say it, that good. Yeah. So what do you do? Against, what do you do against? What do you do what against you, good offense? Right. What do you do against Pittsburgh? Right. I don't think it's going to go well. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I think they've been they've been a little vulnerable. I think I've seen it a few a few different times. Um, so yeah, no, I, that's fine. Uh, who's that? is their quarterback? Brandon Allen now? Washington? Yeah. Did Alex Smith go down? I thought it was Brandon. I, I could be. I could be wrong. I thought what? I thought I saw Brandon Allen at Thanksgiving. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe for a series. I don't. What? Know. What are you talking about? It's been a, it's been a long couple of weeks, man. Uh, are you? Do you have? Did you have the vid or what? What's going on? <laughs> no, it's, I, Maybe. I, I, when we hang up, I'll go send you a screenshot of Brandon Allen playing. Are you sure it wasn't Kyle? Oh, cut. Maybe it was Kyle Allen. Maybe that's. What but it still, it's it's it's. He might have gotten for a series when maybe Alex Smith like had a took a sack or something. I, I don't know. I, I believe Alex Smith is still okay. Uh, the starting quarterback, but. Um, okay. We've Whatever. we've yeah we've lost it here. We lost it. anyway. Before we part, any um, any talk about uh, Mel Tucker? I uh, I no. I, I, he's uh yeah, they're they're fine. They're cute. Uh, gotta gotta. As I as I told you, I sent you uh, guys in a text. Um, he's already halfway to Harbaugh's wins versus top ten teams. So he yeah. got he got to one, and he's halfway to Harbaugh's too. <laughs> any uh, any hope this weekend to keep it under 14? 
I know the spread's like 24. What do you, what do you, what do you, well, first, what do you think about the spread and then do you, how close do you think Michigan State can keep it? What's the spread, like 24? Yeah, yeah, get right out. 23 and a half, something like that. Uh, no, I think we're going to see another 42 to 10. How about that? Oh, that's unfortunate. Because I think if, I, like, somehow, I, I, it's like a 0.01% chance this could happen, but if Michigan State could beat Ohio State this year, a Michigan fan would be would be broken. Like, it would be complete. Like they're already broken. They're they're already broken. They're already broken. Even even the most staunch fans, which we know many of them, like even they are now. This is what's interesting about this because I think it was at your house last year. This is the last year, and I said how we, there was some Michigan fan. I forget who he was. It's some guy, one of your friends. I don't know that well. He was over there, and we were talking about it, and I said. What this is no different than Brady Hoke, and I got kind of slammed for that. It was like, oh no, it's better, it's better. I was like, is it? And I go, I don't. He doesn't win big. He doesn't. They don't beat anybody good. They don't play for championships. They just beat all the teams they're supposed to, and they get to their nine wins, and then they go lose a bowl game. Like, yeah. what? What is it? What, how is it different? And then you know they try to go granular and tell me, well, they don't lose this, blah blah, blah whatever. So then, well, he was at least rational, and he kind of said like, what's realistic? He goes, I just want to beat Ohio State like once every. Five tries. It was kind of. Well, like, I think. I think he had the Auburn Alabama example. That, no, that's that. Then I said, "What do you want from this? It, at this point, what do you actually expect? What do you want?" And he said, "Literally, I want to be Auburn." And I went. Right. And it's funny. This this year too, I talked to another person who, again, we would consider borderline delusional. Was delusional at times. Um, and I said, "You know, what do you what do you want from this program at this point?" There was no talk about Ohio State. There was no talk about championships. Now, it never came out of their mouth. It was, I want to be the second best team in the Big Ten. I thought, this dude has ruined you guys. This You're dude broken. has broken you yeah. guys. So, bro- like, there was no, they don't even talk about championships anymore. They don't talk about, and these are, these are the most, like, again, the most staunch, loyal people on the on, on earth that they don't even bother mentioning Ohio State. It, it, come, it doesn't come out of their mouth anymore. And I'm like, man, that's bad. Like, I'll tell you this from Mel Tucker. I, I will say this because I think D'Antonio, in his tenure at least, shifted the paradigm a little bit for me where I didn't think they, I didn't think Michigan State football could do what he did there. Uh, I didn't think right. that could ever happen. And so to me now, I can see that it's possible. So for Mel Tucker, hey, if he's not if he's not competing for big time championships in four or five years, see ya. See ya. I, yeah, I don't I'm not interested. I'm not yeah. interested. I, I'm not I'm not interested in getting, you know, seven, eight wins yeah. going to some meaningless bowl. It's not I can, I know yeah, we can do better. So it's ten it's ten wins, and you better have a game in November that's meaningful for the Big East champ for the uh, Big Ten yeah. East Championship. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So I I, I can't believe these people are now they've just altered their expectations. <laughs> that's, that's just, yeah. And I'm like, man, it's 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 wild to see because you know it's uh it's it's been a, it's come a long ways from. So so to wrap this up, you think Jimmy is back? next year yes I do damn it I want him in Honolulu Blue so bad I need <laughs> I need him on the Lions sideline that, that, that's what's funny I, I have to say I, I the fact that he's considered to be like a wanted man by the NFL I'm like oh, what like what, have you seen what's going on here like I, I just want it for the entertainment value but he he did a nice job in San Francisco for a couple years I, I understand that, but that that was a long time ago, my friend. It's just like, guys, I don't know that 
I just, what do you, have, have you seen lately that makes you think, why would you want to turn over your NFL franchise to this man at this point? Well, like, what? Bob, he relates better with NFL players than he does ah. college kids. <laughs> He's more of a businessman. He, he doesn't relate well to any other human beings. He's the most awesome That's, dude he, in the world. He is, he is amazing. Uh, <laughs> and I just want him for the pressers. That's it. Jeez, man. Oh. Well, I yeah, I, I do not want to see that happen, but whatever. Um, just trade staff. Uh, yeah, finally, finally. I mean, I, <laughs> gosh, when are you just gonna say it? <laughs> Stop it. And I've been right about staff or CDS all along. I, it's not. It's just I'm not. We're not doing this right now. We're not doing this. At some point, you need to, you and the rest of the public need to apologize to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, you so, enjoy the you enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see. Ya. All right, Bob. Later. You know, speaking of the Lions, right as we were getting on to record this, I got a update from, I think it was Bleacher Report, to my phone that said, the headline read, state legislators in Michigan are writing a letter, have written a letter, to the Detroit Lions organization requesting that they hire Robert Salah as the next head coach of the Detroit Lions. I literally thought it was a headline I was reading from The Onion. But of course it was not. It was real. State legislators at this point in time writing a letter to the pro football team requesting to consider their uh, candidate for the next head coach. <laughs> ah, 2020 continues in uh, dramatic fashion. That's all I'm going to say. Well, listen, this is a wrap on episode 51. I want to say a thank you for the people that are continue to stick around and listen. Um, I know it's been a little inconsistent, which I'm hoping to uh, correct moving forward. Um, and it all depends on, again, DK needs to release these contests just sooner so I can uh, have time to create the content. That's the biggest factor in it all because I would rather just... Um, you know, again, like I said before, I'd rather do nothing than put out something that's not very quality. Um, that just defeats the purpose of it all. So, so good. Thanks, you guys. Um, and make sure to follow on Twitter at SportsBytehookup. You can follow me at RealBobbyAdcock. And we will see you next time.